Hello, 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 everybody. So I'm super excited for you guys to listen to today's podcast with my beautiful guest, Caroline. So just to give you a little bit of background about Caroline or Caro, um, I'll explain to you about what it is that she does and how we met. So Caroline traded in her nine to five accounting grind for a digital nomad life. She is a death doula, a yin yoga instructor, and a business coach. So her company is called Love by Caro, which empowers dreamers to live an aligned life. She is a community leader that values vulnerability, taboo topics, and shadow work. Caroline incorporates trauma-informed practices to ensure you feel safe and supported in your growth. Caroline is currently based in Las Vegas, Nevada, but she can serve her clients virtually. She offers weekly yin yoga classes, cacao ceremonies, grief support sessions, one-on-one business coaching, and taboo mentorship. So I met Caroline back in February of this year in Costa Rica. So I went to a retreat out in Costa Rica um, that was hosted by my beautiful dear friend, Danny Wild, and Caroline happened to be there. And honestly, when I went to this retreat, I did not know anybody. The only person I knew was Danny. Um, and one of my clients actually that I had worked with earlier that year, she went. And so I got to meet her in person. But other than that, I knew (laughs) no one. And when I was in, um, Costa Rica, such a beautiful place. And I remember the night that Caroline came, she just looked like this, like amazing, cool, bohemian, free spirited, like hippie chick. She had like beautiful, like wild, wavy, curly hair. And she was wearing like little, I I remember, this is the things I remember what people wear. She had these like little black shorts on and like this like little like burnt orangish red, like kind of crop top and like this cool necklace. And she was just so laid back. And then like when she started to talk, she had like this totally laid back energy that just radiated from the words she spoke, which just, she just reminded me of a very like laid back, like total, like California (laughs) stoner vibe. I hope you don't care that I say that, Caroline. (laughs) Um, and right away I was just like, oh, I just, I love that. There's just something about like when I meet people, like when they just radiate this free spirited, um, nomadic, Woodstock, hippie, free-spirited kind of lifestyle, like I instantly gravitate because I know that that is my core soul essence is that feeling, that freedom, that spaciousness. But in this earthly existence, my soul came here to learn from feeling really grounded in marriage and having children, a very traditional type of relationship. But in the past, that hadn't always been my soul's path. And so I just, I just love, I love that. And what's interesting is the people that are these free spirits that are nomadic and just kind of like go from this place to that place, live in their backpack, they gravitate towards me because they love the groundedness about me. Like one of the biggest things I always hear, which Caroline kept saying when her and I sat and chatted at the, um, 
at the the dinner lunch table we were talking and she was like I can't believe you're a mom like whoa like her mind was blown that I was a mom and that I was like married and that I was so like just grounded and yet my energy to her radiated like this super feminine goddessy um fluid flowy like you know spiritual medicine woman energy and then the other flip side is this very like nurturing grounded I'm a wife I'm a mom and you know all of that and so we really connected on that and (laughs) she was so funny when we met one of the things she kept saying was she's like, oh my God, you are like mom goals, mom goals. And she would be like, you make me want to have a baby. Oh, I want a baby so bad. And she's just like the sweetest soul. And we connected right away. Like I just, I loved everything about it. And I was so like, oh man, I was like so envious because I had to leave and come back to the States and she was staying and she was going to work at Envision Fest. And I was like, that is just so cool just to like go and just to be. And I know that that was really healing for her on her journey was to find a sense of safety and solitude within herself. And that really led a lot to her unraveling and healing around trauma and childhood wounding and addiction issues that were within her family and mental health. And she talks about all of this on the podcast. And I know that you guys are just going to love her because I love her so much. And we have just formed such a magical, supportive friendship. And I'm always like, when I meet people, I'm so horrible at guessing people's ages because I don't even feel my age. Like I literally can't even believe that I'm going to be 39 in January like that that's blows my mind I'm like is that true am I really or am I 29 I don't know so she has such an old soul so grounded such a wise old soul and it's the kind of relationships and communication and conversation that I can melt into so effortlessly and it's when you can go deep So I'm a very deep conversator. If I know that we can go deep, we're going to go deep. And it's so funny because um, Caroline also has a podcast and it's called Let's Go Deep, which is just so funny. I just thought about that because I love deep conversations and I'm just kind of like I'm an open book and I'm finding a lot of healing through vulnerability and being vulnerable and being seen and sharing and, and shining and Caroline has been somebody who's always seen the gold in me and has just seen so much of the essence that I knew was there, but maybe I wasn't tapping into fully and she saw it and she was such an encourager. So I hope that you guys enjoy our episode today and you just love listening to us talk and chat all about ancestral healing around trauma around yin yoga and around grief, all of it. We talk about so many beautiful things. So I'm so grateful to have you guys here along this beautiful journey with us today. So thank you so much for everybody that's tuning in and continue to listen and hear Caroline and I drop in. Hi, Caroline. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Nicole. I am so excited to chat with you today. 
I cannot wait for people to listen to what we're going to dive into. So I know that you, one of your biggest things right now in the season where you are in your life is to make the quote unquote taboo subjects extremely mainstream and accessible to people so they don't have shame around them. So I'm excited for you to talk about that. Um, how did you start to open yourself up to just openly talking about like taboo things like around sex, trauma, death, all of those things? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm a very curious person and I'm a Scorpio sun. So I think I'm just set up for taboos, but just growing up, I loved hearing other people's stories, secrets, arguments. I feel like it really normalizes the experience. And my goal with anything is to make people feel comfortable and safe. And I think when we have that open platform to have these crazy discussions, people feel a little more at ease with themselves. I love that. And I know that you're a Scorpio, so you like to deep dive and I'm heavily planted at Aquarian. So I like the weird. I like the other worldly, the, the big things I, I like to go deep. So as an Aquarius, I love like diving into the deep waters. And so I've known you for a while, so I know that you really bring that in. And one of the things that I found really interesting is shortly after I met you, you got into a program around being a death doula. So for those listening, um, maybe just explain to them about what it means to be a death doula and what brought you to this work. Yeah. So a doula means a woman serving a woman. That's kind of where the word came from. So a death doula is any person, you're a non-medical professional providing emotional, spiritual, and even light physical support to the dying and their loved ones. So with death doula work, they really teach you a three-part method where I trained. It's called Anelda, a nonprofit. And so the first part is planning the death. So getting together all the loose ends, like how do you want the death to be? Do you need to set up any legal paperwork? Uh, getting the family ready. The second part is the active dying stage. So a doula can be in the room in hospice with the person passing, making sure the vibe is right. It's essentially kind of like a psychedelic trip in a way. It's like getting that set and setting correct. And then the third part of a death doula is the grief stage. So that's the stage I'm focused on. And then you're working with the loved ones left behind. I love that. And I know that like talking about death and especially in the society, um, growing up, I always remember my mom talking about, and she was so wise. She would always be like, as a society, we have it backwards where we should really be celebrating when somebody moves on to that next transitional phase. Like when they move on from this earthly existence and go back into spirit form, like that's a homecoming. We should celebrate that. And so, I won't say that dealing with death has always been easy, but I had this very tantric perspective of death, this very big, like, this big, like, otherworldly um, concept around it. And so when you moved into being a death doula, what was your relationship like with death? Because I know in society, it, it's a, it's a hard thing to talk about. A lot of people do not want to talk about death. 
Yes, I agree. So I'll backtrack to why I became a death doula because I didn't address that. So I always found myself talking about grief with coworkers, with friends, like meeting people traveling, it would just come to me. And I think it's because people open up quickly to me. I know we're very similar. Like we love to go deep, have these conversations. So that's how I got into this work. And in Costa Rica, someone told me about being a death doula. So this was in February of 2020. And then with coronavirus, I was just like feeling so called to help. And so death doula work made sense. And so with the journey to becoming a death doula, it's pretty trippy because the first day of training, they're like, okay, let's pretend in three months you're dying and you're going to role play being the doula and the other person is the patient and then you'll switch. And so a lot of shit comes up and that's when I hired a therapist again. I love therapy and I highly suggest that for anyone going through grief or in this death doula healing space. Uh, and yeah, my relationship with death is I really, I think it's hard just being left behind and your whole identity is shaken up. And for me, what scares me the most about thinking about my own death was like, how would my loved ones react? So that was something surprising for me. Like my concern to the pretend death doula was like, oh my gosh, like how do I balance my three little sisters and my parents who are divorced? Like the codependency came out. So it's really cool to see all of your shadows when you dive into the death work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so interesting because I know that in some of the groups that you run, I think that's one of the exercises that you have them do is like to write their own obituary, right? Yes. So I do a goal setting program and we write our own obituary, which everyone hated. That was like a thing <laughs> they struggled with. They're just like, I don't know what to say. And then also I love the legacy box exercise, which we do. You pick three items that you would like to put in a box to leave behind and that is just really great to think of what is the legacy I want? And that lets us live a deeper, more meaningful life when we remember that death is imminent. It's happening. We can't escape it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like going through your death doula program, did it help you integrate or shift this different knowingness or perspective around how to, how you approached your life and like how you integrated the polarity of life and death, like the integrating these two polarities. And so for people listening, what would be some ways that they can start to explore death and like that relationship of, of like what it means? Because I think a lot of times people push it away. And then when it's here, it can feel it can feel very chaotic because it's like a shadow aspect you've been pushing away. And we know with shadow work, the more you ignore it, the louder it gets. And when it comes to a point in your life, when it's there, we may not feel we can handle it. Like our nervous system can't handle it because we've been pushing it away for so long. So yeah. like, what would just be some ways and tips that you feel like people could start to look at it in a loving way and start to just understand their relationship with death? I think that's a great question. I think first, understanding what grief is. So grief is that feeling of loss. After you have a loss, you typically have a grieving period of one to three years. And every loss is different. And it can be a loved one. It can be an animal. It could be a move, a life change, anything. 
And so really honoring that grief is such a unique journey and it's like a roller coaster and it's not predictable and it takes work. You can't just like wait out grief. It's not, it's kind of like a breakup, you know, like you have to do the work. And so remembering that and some action steps that really helped me was first journal about all of the deaths that have happened in your life. Who has died in your life from your neighbor to family, like anyone who you went to the funeral or, you know, your family talked about. That was surprising for me. I'm almost 29 and I, I was thinking back to my life. I was like, oh, like maybe a few people have died. And as I'm journaling everyone who's died, it, it's like a pretty long list. And so I think just honoring who's passed and then also like separating your life into chapters. That was one exercise in our death doula work was going over what did we regret in our life and what would you name this like chapter uh, if you were to create a book, like what would the chapter be called of regret? So what I did was I kind of wrote out like the stages of my life and it really made it clear because I could kind of see like the pain and then just the growth trajectory. So really processing that way helped me. And then the third step I would suggest is really investing in either a therapist, a course, finding a death doula and doing grief work. Because even now, like I don't really think about death all of the time. I'm doing death doula like as part of my services. So I'm not in that deep work, but when I was going to death doula training for six hours a week, you're constantly thinking about it and it is on your mind. So it's like just being in that environment any way you can is so important to really do the work. Mm, I love that. And I know that you are a big cheerleader for therapy. And that's something that you're very open about is, you know, you have a therapist and just talking really openly, because I think too, a lot of people, if they are in therapy or they have a therapist, it's something that like you talk about real quiet, real hush hush, because there's this taboo or this misconception that if you do talk therapy, there's a million different types of therapy out there. You know, even if you work with somebody that does it in a very unconventional way. If it's like energy healing, if it's like shamanism, like all those things, people talk about it real hush hush because there's this misconception. If you're doing it or you're using it, then you are broken. There's something wrong. And I don't think that is true at all. Cause I get a lot of benefit from talk therapy. And so when did you start to to get into therapy yourself, like with a therapist and how has that helped you? Yeah, that's a great question. So seven years ago, I broke up with my high school sweetheart. We dated for five years and I was in college at the time. And I remember like a few months after the breakup, it was summertime. Everyone had left my college town. I started my first internship in accounting and I was miserable. And I remember coming home that first Monday after work and I just like made a vodka drink, which I never did. And I was just like, is this it? Like, is this all to <laughs> life? Like there was just like something like empty. I was, just, I guess like, you know, you have that idea of how work is gonna go. And I just found myself so depressed. I had no meaning to life. It's sim breakups are like death. So I had no religion. I had never thought about spirituality. I was just partying all the time and occupied with friends. And so I went to the therapist and I had a list. I even, I was such like 
a hypochondriac, I had this issue where like, I didn't want people on my bed. Like I was very obsessed with having a clean bed. And so he was great about like exposure therapy. He was like, okay, like try to have your roommate, like sit on your bed and see that nothing happens. And that really helped me. Cause now I just like, don't give a fuck. Like, you know, I was traveling out of a backpack. Like I was like <laughs> so dirty this past year. <laughs> so it really does work. And so I really love like keeping a list on my iPhone of just like topics that I wanted to talk about. And so I talked through the breakup, also alcoholism, like I didn't understand how addiction worked for myself. And I also had family members where I was concerned if, you know, is this an addiction? So he really helped me explain what kind of, what, what is a proper way to function and really reminded me that like this life is yours he was like if you're not happy with accounting you can do other things that you live in america you have a lot of options like do what you love and so i he was awesome so great Mm -hmm. i love that and i and i think that like segues us into like this um topic and you just posted about one of your groups and i commented it was about like big t little t which I fucking love because this is something that I struggled with because I didn't have a big T, a big trauma event in my life. And and those things are things that literally put us into like that fawn state, like paralyzing you from moving forward in your life. And, and, you know, some of those things are, you know, like, like rape, like assault, Mm -hmm. like those are, those are big things. And so because those things never happened to me, I didn't think that parts of my story where I felt, I felt small, I felt less than, I felt like they weren't important. So it's like, oh, like I've never experienced trauma. Like, so I can't speak on it. And through my own unraveling and through my own work, because a lot of the, the study that I've done myself has been me teaching myself because that's how I learn best. And the first time I ever learned about big T little T's was through, um, the spiritual teacher, Mastin Kip. He Mm -hmm. taught, he talked about that. And I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. I've never heard this before. I've just heard trauma just right here, just in this bubble. And he broke it down and he was talking about micro or little traumas. And it's those things that happened to us. Maybe something somebody said to us, divorce, um, you know, whatever it is. And, we just think, oh, these are everyday experiences. So everybody's going through it. So I can't talk about it. And we just shove it down. We shove it down. We shove it down. And really a lot of those little traumas can just, we build, we stack on top of each other and it takes us looking and unpacking and through myself. And I started to realize, wow, I have a lot of these like little micro traumas that have literally sprouted these roots and I see how they're playing out in other facets of my life. And so I know that talking about trauma, healing trauma, and just being really open about it is something that you are very open about this, like trauma work and through like you talking about through your own work with your therapist. And I know like through talking with you and being friends with you, you've talked about different things in your own family life like through like alcoholism, like mental health and things like that. And so through your own unpacking, how important do you think it is to normalize talking about trauma? Yeah, definitely. I love all of this. So 
the body keeps the score, the book, uh, defines trauma as anything that's unbearable and intolerable. And that book changed my life. Like that's where I learned about trauma. And I think first befriending trauma and not letting that be a trigger. I know a lot of people don't even like saying the word trauma. Like it's like saying murder. And I think it's because psychology research changes so fast. So like our parents' perspective of what trauma is versus what it is now is totally different. And so understanding that everyone has trauma and it's okay, it's just a reaction. And we're really getting to a phase where we're getting more into the body. It's not just talk therapy to heal trauma. And so I love Resma's work. He wrote the book, My Grandmother's Hands, and you referred me to his course about cultural somatics. And in the book, it talks about how the body experiences trauma. So we have to heal trauma through the body. And uh, with the little t trauma, that's anything that makes us feel hopeless or in pain. So yeah, that can be like a breakup, getting made fun of, and remembering everyone's going to have different reactions. So my trauma, say we were bullied in school, both of us, like maybe that was a huge trauma for me, but for you, it just rolled off your shoulders. And so remembering that it's unique in your journey. So I think it's important to just really understand what happened in your life, what stories are you telling yourself, and then also with the ancestral trauma, which I know you want to get into as well, what's coming from things that aren't even yours? Like I always had this thing where I felt like I had been sexually assaulted and I just felt very strongly against like whenever, like I just felt like something had happened to me and I always wanted to remember it. And I kind of realized like, well, maybe it's not necessarily this big thing that I just blacked out. Uh, we don't know. There's definitely uh, a lot of sexual assault in my family line. So sometimes it's just like really honoring, okay, our ancestors have trauma too. And that's passed down in our genes and in our bodies and waking up to what we can remember and really trying to heal through the body. Mm, I love that. And I love that. Like, I love talking about ancestral healing as ancestral trauma because in, in even lineage and, and, and quantum past life trauma, because all of these things are encoded in ourselves. And it's like what you said, like the body keeps score. Well, so do your cells. You have cellular memory. And I think it's really important when we come into this work around ancestral trauma, if you are the first person in your family and your lineage to do it, that is so fucking important because you're not only healing yourself, you're healing anybody that comes after you, anybody that's in your ecosphere and through your lineage. And that to me is what is being a good ancestor is you are showing up and you are doing the unpacking, you are doing the healing, you are listening and for me, I always had this feeling that like, I wasn't like good enough. I wasn't wanted. And when I was in Costa Rica, I got the message again, it's something that I've been feeling. And there was a lot held within my sacral, my womb space. And this is just through being passed down through the maternal line. Um, my, my mom's mom, my grandma, she was a teen mom. And I'm pretty sure the environment about around being unwed in that time in the 60s 
was not very accepted. It was the early sixties and she wasn't in a relationship with the father. And so all of that, especially as women, and I'm sure as men too, but I know as women, we carry generational energy and trauma in our eggs. And so all of this just passed down every time, like the eggs that you house. My mom was a teen mom and it was very tumultuous, like where I think I've told you before. Uh, and I, and I love my grandma. And so sometimes when I talk about these things, I feel like, oh my gosh, like I feel weird and I feel, I feel bad because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but they did not want my mom to keep me. They wanted my mom to have an abortion or they wanted her to have me and they were going to raise me as their own daughter. So I would grow up thinking that my mom was my sister. But my mom chose to break that and say no. And she left. She left when she was 17, left her house and her and my dad are still together. But it was always this feeling of not feeling good enough. And I was like, well, I, I, this is not conditioning that I received from my parents. Like they never made me feel like bad. They never talked down to me. They always supported me. I'm like, where does this come from? And I started to work with my womb space and I realized how shut down my, my womb and my sacral was and working with that trauma there. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is like through generational. And like, you know, I don't even know, it could go far beyond my grandma. It could go back. You know, I, I don't know like that whole story. Those are like, you know, I'm still trying to learn about my lineage and my ancestry and things like that by talking. But yeah, that's something that like, I think is so good to talk about because ancestral trauma, ancestral healing is a real thing. And even through past lives, I, cause you know, I do like past life regression. So I work with a lot of people and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I don't understand this pain. And, and one of the gifts that I've been given when I do past lives is this clairvoyant vision where I can see it unfolding and I can see the trauma happening. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, well, in this past life, you were hung or you were this. And they're like, oh my gosh, I always have neck pain. And I'm like, okay, like it's stored in your cells. We can release that. Like this is, this is part of your story, but you no longer have to be this living, breathing character in the story anymore. It's, it's part of your story. It's part of your experience. We can heal that. We can let that go. And I know that you are passionate about talking about ancestral and like lineage and things healing. So how did you first start to get into this work or like, where are you at with your journey with ancestral healing? Yeah. So ancestral healing, I, I feel like it came into my radar during the pandemic. So this year, but I'm sure I learned about it a little bit earlier, but I've really started to dive into it and I'm really just dipping my toes in. I think it's deep, deep work. And sometimes I hesitate, you know, to even talk about trauma or ancestral healing because I don't want to re-traumatize anybody. I, you know, this is deep work. And so I think just honoring that, that that's okay to be a beginner. And I really learned a lot through the book, My Grandmother's Hands. And I recently hosted a ceremony with my friend Shan and we did ancestral healing and we did a shamanic dance that she led us through and journaling and sharing. And a big thing with ancestral healing is learning about your lineage. Okay, what happened to your mom? What happened to your dad that was traumatic? And then also going back to like the traumatic events of your grandparents and realizing where did your ancestors come from? When did they settle in America? Uh, were they fleeing from something? Uh, the book, My Grandmother's Hands, has great exercises about this because 
I think it's important too to know what mindset we're in. And a lot of times when people are oppressed, they take on the oppressor's mindset. And so since we're living in America and it was colonized, like realizing that white supremacy is ingrained with all of us. And as a white woman, for me, it's just very important for me to unpack what is going on in my mind and acknowledge that we are all going to have racist thoughts at some, you know, we strive to be anti-racist, but there's going to be racist things that come up. And instead of like packing that down and denying it, saying I'm not racist, like noticing, okay, what's coming up for me and why, why, and can I shift? And so the biggest thing with healing is being aware, acknowledging it, integrating those parts and really calming down the nervous system. So getting into the body, sleeping, drinking water, really, really calming down the nervous system because it's important that we are breaking these cycles. And when you're very nervous energy, that's carrying out to everyone. So how can you be a grounding force and then create more healing for others? Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I think like right now with everything going on, the climate of the collective of the planet going on. Um, I said the other day, I'm like, we're like in like one huge ayahuasca ceremony because all the shadows are coming out and we're really getting back to the simplicity, the core of what it means to be a human being on this planet right now. And I have been telling people, you know, this is what got me into ancestral work. I wanted to know more about myself because it's probably been about like, I mean, it's, I know it's been talked about for years, but it really came into focus probably in about 2019, this topic around cultural appropriation. And I wanted to make sure that any of the work that I was doing was not appropriating or stealing. And this is why I don't call myself a shaman because I'm not a shaman. I was not raised in the practices and lineage. Is Native American in my lineage? Yes. And so is Celtic. And so I'm, I'm really studying the European stuff around Celtic shamanism, around Nordic shamanism, European healing work, paganism, and just looking at it, but not trying to stake my claim and be like, oh, like this is mine. Because literally everything that we do is borrowed from other cultures. It is. It's a matter of fact, it's just a melting pot of everything. And so... I'm always very careful when I talk about shamanism, but what I like to really bring to the front is shamanism is not owned by one group. There's shamanism throughout the millennia all over the world. And that's something that really helped me anchor into it because I, I learned Celtic shamanism and Native American shamanism from a shaman. And that's why I call myself a shamanic practitioner because I'm not a shaman. This is not something most shamans are prepped and taught shamanism from the time that they are like a little kid, like the time they're eight years old, they're initiated into this. And for me, um, I've been doing shamanism for over four years, but I didn't talk about it openly until last year because I was just, I had a lot of fear around it, to be honest, because I didn't want to be called out and saying I was stealing. And so I had to do a lot of unpacking with myself around fear, around being seen and talked to, you know, and all this. And so I dove into my lineage and said, okay, is this something that was in my lineage? When was it broken? And I was shown that over 200 years ago that within our lineage, women were really powerful medicine women that did shamanism and held ceremonies and it was broken. And 
it's my job and my duty in this lifetime to heal and repair it. And so that's what I'm doing, but I'm not claiming, you know, this practice is mine. Like we bar, we borrow teachings and practices and ceremonies all across the board. And I think it's really important that we, we honor them. We, we talk about, you know, the ancestry, we talk about the lineage and we do it in this beautiful way. And I'm not saying I'm not the expert on, um, decolonizing any of this. I am, I'm listening. And I will say a lot of times it, it gets really fucking uncomfortable. It can get really uncomfortable. It, it, it's hard because I'm such an empathic person. And so it's just, sometimes it's like, whoa, to dip your toes into that energy, but to look at like, and have conversations. And that's what I want to say around learning about ancestral healing, unpacking. I know you're really big on decolonizing and things like that. And I'm passionate about that, but like the best way for me, and I'm inviting other people into this is to, to talk to people. You're not going to get all the information you need from reading books and all that. Talk to people and, 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 and have conversations and learn about them. That's something that I've been like just showing up and, and listening. And so what has been your experience? I know we're getting to the end of our topic, but you've been talking a lot about, cause I think like decolonization is like, it's been around for a while, but it's like a big buzzword right now within the spiritual community. And so what is your definition of decolonizing and what is your current relationship with it in your own life? Yeah. So I just saw this infographic and it was saying how actually if you're a white person, you should say I am unsettling. And then for black and indigenous people, you should say decolonizing because as a white person, you technically come from the colonizer. And so this was one perspective and I've just seen this. So decolonization for me is just recognizing the history of what the land that you're inhabiting and then understanding what was that mindset of the colonizer and trying to deprogram and no longer be a colonizer mindset but really dive more deeper into community base honoring the earth being a good steward to the land that's kind of what i'm about and so with the decolonization, it really seems like, you know, enjoying rest and not grinding all the time and just being a good person and not making things about conquering and pillaging. Um, that's major. Mm. And I love that. And I like that you touched on this because I'm really passionate about this is know the land which you live on. Because that's something, because, you know, I'm super in tune with nature. I love nature. And that's one of the things like wherever I have lived, I always look up who lived there first. What, because we live on America, North America, Turtle Island. This was inhabited by natives, native, natives of America, Native Americans. And so I like to look at what tribes were here in what were their practices and, and how can I honor them and thank them for this land that mm -hmm. I now get to live on. And so I think that's a beautiful practice. And that's a great practice to get into communion with the, the people that live there and to pay homage and, and to really get deep communion with the place and space that you are on earth. And when you're talking about like really deprogramming yourself from that colonizer mindset and 
that the patriarchy that took over back in the 1400s through religion and Christianity, and this is not to go against anybody that studies or is, is a Christian. It's just to show you, um, I've done a lot of studying around this and around the 1400s too is when, you know, I'm very big in the sacred feminine, the goddess energy. That's when it was all shoved under the rug where um, we no longer talked about goddesses. We no longer honored the feminine, the, the sacred feminine, sacred masculine no longer worked in communion and honoring each other. And this is when sacred worship of the feminine went away it was in the 1400s. And, you know, we're, 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 we're moving things back into balance. We're moving those things back in. And what may seem chaotic right now is actually um, bringing rebirth into this new paradigm of energy, but it takes all of our participation. And that means going inward and unpacking and deprogramming and deconstructing all of these ways of operating that may not actually be yours. They're programmed into your cells through like your ancestors or just through your environment and looking at them being like, whoa, did I choose this? Like, do I agree to this? Because that's the beautiful thing about being a human being. You have free will. So if you're like, dude, I'm not down with this anymore. Like, okay, like how can I heal this? How can I let this go? And I'm going to integrate this because this is part of my story. I'm going to integrate the shadow and the light. I'm going to bring it in. Um, we have free will. And so you showing up to the place to like do the work and be like, cause I know that like you're really deprogramming yourself from like this grind and hustle, which for me, like grind and hustle never was really ingrained in me. And maybe I, maybe I, I'm going to, yeah, when I was younger, it was cause I was a big time athlete and probably about six, seven years ago, I got super into the feminine energy and I was just like, no, like, and then we go into that and then we get like, we're like, oh shit. Like I really do need some of the sacred masculine energy to kind of bring me <laughs> into my sacredness so I can do the shit that I desire to do that. What is my purpose and my mission? And I think that's a really beautiful thing. We are human beings. We're all learning. We're learning together. We're healing together. And I think that is something I just want to emphasize, we are all healing together. This is how we do this work is together. It's not separate. It's not finger pointing. It's not saying, um, you know, you, you can't talk about, you know, being oppressed or you can't talk about, you know, how your ancestors were moved away from their land or, you know, slavery, because that's part of their story, just as it doesn't help too, because being a white bodied identifying female, like telling me how awful, how bad I am, because like, we're still trying to understand that too. And we're, we're listening and we're like, okay, like I want to choose again. Like I, I want to heal this, you know, this energy within white supremacy and, 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 and all of that. And I just think we're all learning and it's a very touchy subject to navigate because I never want to offend anybody. I want to listen. And I know you're very good and very open about talking about these things. And so what have been some of the resources that have helped you that we could maybe leave our audience with where they can maybe start to look at their, their ways and, and unpacking and supporting and doing their own healing work. And that's a thing we're all on our own journey. that's what I always tell people. I talk about it a lot. Um, honor your, your pace, honor your flow, honor your process, and um, just honor, honor the space, the space that you're in right now. There's no rush. There's no finish line. This life is a fucking journey. So 
what would be some great, what are things that have helped you that you want to tell the audience about? Yeah, definitely. So I just took a course with Dr. Mm -hmm. Frantonia Pollins and it was called the evil behind your love and light. And it's for white women in wellness, specifically healers. And that was powerful. It ended up being a seven week master class. And so I know she is going to offer that again. And every week was a different speaker. Also, Dr. Rocio, she spoke at that master class. She does a lot on decolonizing work. I do recommend reading My Grandmother's Hands, the book. Also, I have a second book called Decolonizing Trauma Work, Indigenous Stories and Strategies by Renee Linklater. And they really point out in that book about decolonizing trauma work, we are resilient. Like we are meant to learn, change, and grow. And just like you said, we are healing together. And it really highlights how community-based healing and having a cultural lens and appreciating the culture and the viewpoints of everyone is so, so, so important. So yeah, just, I think what I like to remind people is like, A, this work is lifelong. You know, it's not a race. B, it's going to be hard. You're going to get triggered. In the masterclass, they were like, every emotion is going to come up for you. And that's good. That means you're being broken open. And yeah, third is like just putting in the work, having the conversations, hiring the people and really, really knowing where did they learn? I think that's something that I never thought about before is like, I teach in yoga. I had, I did not care honestly where yin yoga came from. I learned about it in my training, but I've just never been a history person. And so like, for me, it's like, okay, well that doesn't fucking matter anymore that you don't care about history, Caroline. Like you need, you need to learn this Genesis energy because you are carrying on a story like I my life is my words are programming other people's minds every time I speak so be owning your shit essentially mm-hmm. <laughs> you gotta do <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I love that and I think like today's topic was a beautiful one and it's I think sometimes it's a difficult one to have because I know for me I'm highly sensitive and I'm just so like in tune like in human design, I have a wide, I mean, I'm wide open. I'm almost basically like a projector. So I intake everything. And so my Libra energy well is always like, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to piss anyone off. I want everybody to get along. And so I internalize a lot around these subjects because one, you know, I'm like, I'm not the expert to speak on this. I, I can share from my own experience, but, um, Right now, it's not my time to to talk about these things, but I can talk about how, like we both are, we're talking about how we've been doing the work ourselves. We're not trying to speak about like, here's how you do this. Here's We're saying, this is what we're doing to crack ourselves open. Here's what we're doing to... Um, to unpack shit that is carried within our lineage, our ancestry, ourselves, and this is what it looks like for us. Are we perfect? No. Is it going to be messy? Fuck yes. Um, I always say I'm human as fuck. Like I'm super mystical, super soulful, soulful and spiritual, but at the end of the day, I'm a human being like you, like everybody listening. And this work is beautiful. It's messy. It's uncomfortable. It's very activating. And when I say activating, that means triggering. It's going to activate things within you. Um, But it's necessary. I mean, 
I've been calling 2020, we're in the great birth canal. So if we want to birth this new earth, it takes our participation. And I talk about this on an upcoming podcast. It's not like new earth is going to be delivered to you on this beautiful silver platter and says, here you go. It's all figured out. It's like, no, we are all literally constructing it together through our every now moment decision or every now moment healing. And we are in it together. And I think that's a, a beautiful, a beautiful thing to keep in mind. So I appreciate the work that you're doing. I know you are um, very open about the courses you take, everything that you're learning. And so if people want to follow you, cause you give a lot of great free information and courses, where is the best way that they can connect with you? And I'll make sure to put it in the show notes too. Yeah, the best way is Instagram. I'm at love by Carol, L-O-V-E-B-Y-C-A-R-O, or I have a Facebook community, love by Carol community. Amazing. And I just want to say too, if you are a entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a soulpreneur, a heart-centered business person, she is the person to get, like, I, I've never met anybody that is so fucking organized that loves talking about, um, like tools for sacred management and structures and money and investing like, whoa, like, because you have a, you have a CPA background. So like, you're very like her group Virgo vibes. You're not, are you a Virgo energy? I have a lot of sixth house in me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because like, yeah, you are literally the most like organized, like you love like the structures and the organization. So if anybody out there is listening and wants to kind of dive into what Caroline's about, you can, um, she talks about it a lot on her little private Facebook group. She runs Virgo vibes. Um, it's going to be a self-study course soon, right? Yep. Okay. Awesome. So yeah. So thank you for having this conversation. I think it was really beautiful. I know that we could talk forever about trauma, grief, death, ancestral healing, and it could turn into just the longest podcast ever. But um, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you. Of course. Thank you, Nicole. I really appreciate you. And I'm just excited for us to like empower everyone, you know, pay attention to where your money's going, your time's going, how can we lift others up? I, I think that's so healing and we will get through this. I I am not afraid at all. So just remember you're so supported if you're listening. (laughs) Thank you so much, Caroline. And thank you to everybody that tuned in to listen. I hope that you guys found some wisdom nuggets and as always take what resonates and leave the rest. And I will talk to you guys on the next podcast. Thank you.